Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast, presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall. RJ, we got a fun podcast for this one because the really the final domino for the Kraken's offseason finally fell with Vince Dunn signing an extension prior to the arbitration hearing that would have been today um as as you and I you know talked about we thought was going to happen so we'll be getting to to the Vince Dunn contract and that whole situation for the deep dive segment in just a little bit news and notes we've got to talk about the other news from the Kraken involving Dave Hackstall but very first off here RJ uh, had a big family reunion this past weekend a lot of family from all over the country coming into town got to see everybody and I found out I've got family, and then there's a whole other group of just a ton of Kraken fans in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I want to give a shout-out to Michael and all the Kraken fans out there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I love this about the Kraken, RJ. There's so many hockey fans around the country that didn't really have NHL teams, and then Kraken entered the league, and they just decided to you know, start following the NHL with the Kraken, and it's it's incredible. I mean, we know this because of the community we run, Discord, on Twitter, all that kind of stuff, the post-game lives. They're just Kraken fans all over the world, and it's it's so, so cool. Yeah, it's one of the things that we've been lucky enough to learn by doing this is just how far and wide all this Kraken fans go. Uh, it's been awesome to interact with people, and especially I remembering the post games, you know, from this season and last, or people coming in at all, you know, different hours of the day and night <laughs> from wherever they live. Uh, it's great to see that. Hope you enjoyed the family reunion. I heard that maybe there were some gloating Vegas Golden Knights fans there. Sorry you had to deal with that. Yeah, the Vegas contingent of the family was there, and yes, they were riding high high although you know what some of them did express some you know upset feelings about how Vegas you know turns over their roster so much and it makes it a little hard to find individual players to root for and stuff so I was I was happy they at least acknowledged that I I took that that's something okay something we don't have to deal with here in Seattle at least not yet so that's good Definitely, definitely. All right, so uh, on the news and notes RJ why don't you kick us off with um, the Dave Haxtell news right so the Kraken recently announced that Dave Haxtell got a two-year contract extension through the 25-26 season. Uh, so we found out, actually, with that extension being announced, that he only had one year left on his contract. So the initial contract that Haxtell signed with the Kraken, the terms of that were not made public. Nobody really knew that publicly. Uh, we weren't sure what the term was. We weren't sure what the money was. Uh, still don't know what the money was. But now we know there was one year left on it. But Ron Francis and the Kraken chose not to wait and let him coach out that last season on that contract extended him right now during the summer we suspected this might happen when they got francis done earlier in the summer but two-year extension so Haxtell is under contract for the next three seasons uh, with the Kraken. And so we did get to talk to him a little bit after that. He's still around. He's here in Seattle for the summer. We went out to KCI and had a little media availability with him. And it was kind of more fun, lighthearted type of thing. And uh, he did confirm all the coaching staff is coming back for next year. So, you know, good news on the continuity front there. Maybe we had some worries that Jay Leach might be poached, uh, but we know that will not be the case. Um, and of course, you know, gave credit to his coaching staff, credit to his players. And, uh, you know, we're excited to see, you know, for training camp, they're going to be geared up. And I think he said that they're going to try and reach another level. He said anybody that watched training camp last year, you know, the first season to last season noticed 
a big jump in the energy and the competitiveness and in all of that. And I certainly did. He said, if you, you notice that next year, this year, it's going to be another jump coming. So um, hopefully we'll see that uh, in September. But uh, one thing that's interesting with the Hackstall extension that I want to talk about uh, is <laughs> the turnover with some of these NHL coaches. And when he got the extension, of course, I went to research and, and look at the list of current NHL coaches. And I noticed right off the bat, he's the second longest tenured coach in the division already. Dave Hackstall, <laughs> who's been coaching this team for two seasons, is already the second longest tenured coach in the Pacific Division behind only Todd McClellan. And, uh, you know, if McClellan doesn't win a playoff series soon, I don't know, maybe Hackstall will jump to the front of that list at some point. Um, but it just kind of highlights the coaching turnover uh, in the NHL. And then another interesting thing that was brought up to me uh, at the Hackstall presser by uh, Glenn Dreyfus from the Hockey News, you know, good friend of ECH and always enjoy chatting with him. And he said, feel free to use this on the podcast. And of course, I jumped at that opportunity <laughs> because this is some great research that he did. So. He looked at every expansion first head coach for a team, uh, for all expansion teams post, you know, the 1967 expansion where the league literally doubled in size. And so he looked at all those coaches to look at the tenure and how long that they lasted. And uh, Dave Haxtell, already 11th on that list of expansion coaches. You look at the early ones too. They didn't really last very long. You've got, oh. you know, the Buffalo Sabres, Vancouver Canucks in the 1970s, Islanders, and then Atlanta, uh, you know, not lasting for very long. Um, but Haxel's already 11th on that list. But the incredible thing too, is he, if he just coaches out through the end of this next season, which we all expect him to do, uh, he will jump up to sixth on that list and be the sixth longest tenured <laughs> expansion coach of all time. And if he coaches through the end of the contract, It'll be up to the fourth longest serving expansion team coach in history. So I think that's pretty cool. It'll be interesting to watch Dave Haxtell climb up that list. He's got a lot of names that he can pass uh, mm -hmm. this season, even especially uh, you look at Gerard Gallant uh, at 213 games. So if, if Haxtell closes out this season, uh, he'll pass Gerard Gallant from Vegas uh, as a longer tenured coach than he was. So kind of a cool list to look at. Uh, maybe we can post this somewhere, uh, but you know, yeah, Glenn uh, prepared that for us. So anyway, thank you, Glenn. That's really cool to look at. And uh, yeah, congrats to Dave Haxtell. Keep climbing that list. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I know when you texted me, the morning of the press conference and you were just like Haxwell's already like the second longest tenured coach in the division i was like what really that shouldn't be and then i thought about it and i was like oh yeah he is <laughs> like it's it's kind of <laughs> crazy i mean i don't know rj like nhl coaches i think they might have a shorter lifespan than running backs in the nfl right now it's insane how fast uh they're all turned over in their jobs we were talking only only four, I think, guys have coached five years with one yep. team that are still active right now. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. But um, hopefully Dave Haxtell stays around for a long time. He's done a fantastic job with the Kraken. I'm just most thankful, RJ, that we're not going to enter, you know, training camp preseason, first couple games of the year with everybody, you know, asking when is Haxtell going to be fired like we had to deal with last year uh, because, you know, coming off the first year where everything was rough, nothing went kind of as everybody wanted it to. Um, there was a lot of talk about that sort of thing, but I think he really answered a lot of the critics last year with what he was able to do with the Kraken, and I'm really looking forward to um, to seeing what he's got in store for year three, especially with this roster, because as we're going to talk about here uh, moving forward into the Vince Dunn thing, 
it's a really, really good team that the Kraken have put together here, RJ. You know, still focusing on strength, still still focusing on the depth that they have. But um, I think Dave Haxtell's and the and the rest of the coaching staff, the continuity that you mentioned, I think it should it should do them well. <laughs> yeah, and I think too Haxtell's coaching style has more staying power than maybe some guys who are yes. you know kind of on the old school drill sergeant type of thing. We've talked about this in the past, but mm-hmm. I, I do think if if a coach is going to last and uh, you know has that style to last, I, I don't see why it's not Dave Haxtell. And um, another thing, I was just talking about Glenn, but another uh, question that he had in the Haxtell press that I thought was really good. He brought up Jared McCann's appearance on on the podcast recently, mm-hmm. um, and you know, great podcast. Go go check that out. But um, um, what oh, I'm trying to remember is it Luke Gadsley? Is it's former NHL player? I think it I'm was. Trying to remember. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, and on his podcast, and McCann kind of casually mentioned. So you know, I went in and I talked to the coach, and, and Gadsley stopped him. He's like, "Wait, you you just go and talk to the coaches? Like you just go talk to them? <laughs> you kind of couldn't believe it." Um, and you know, maybe that's something that's you know not as common as you might think. Um, but that really helps out, I think, give your message staying power um, and, and kind of have that relationship really not break down over time. So, you know, hopefully that's a good sign. Right. And, you know, it it doesn't surprise me to hear that kind of stuff either. You know what I mean? And obviously you're around it a lot more being up there. But anytime I'm, I'm up there or I even see the team traveling on the road, you do very much get the sense that, you know, Haxtell would be the kind of guy whose door is always open to his players and he's just going to be like frank and honest with them and communicate with them we've talked a lot about that with this organization from the top all the way down communication is key in every you know as every facet of life and every relationship you have and the kraken seem to really take that to heart and i think dave hackstall really takes that to heart um so i'm i'm really happy about that uh, to, to hear it i wasn't surprised to hear it which was nice um but i do think that it's a big deal and i think that you know everything that he's done has has really helped get the Kraken to where they are. The other thing, just to mention it again, right? The practice schedule. The fact that he doesn't wear guys out with practice. He makes sure, you know, gives them time to rest and heal. It's an 82-game season. It's brutal. It's rough. Guys are getting beat up all the time. And um, Haxtell seemed to, you know, really know what he was doing this past season with the practice schedule and, and the Kraken's ability to kind of avoid major injuries or even lingering injuries that kept guys at less than 100% for a long period of time. So I, I just think the whole organization, and that includes Dave Haxtell, of course, um, just do a really, really good job with how they handle everything. And I'm looking forward to uh, having that continue. Yep, I am too. But wasn't the only extension that nope. got done this week uh got done i, I will not no more done but okay, i've okay. seen way yeah. too many of those but uh vince dunn signs a a four-year extension at 7.35 million uh aav and uh dylan we were both expecting a vince dunn extension before arbitration we did yep. not think the case would actually go to arbitration very few do so we knew it was coming, and it was mm-hmm. interesting how it developed throughout the day, yes. too, because you had Kevin Weeks getting his account back. Glad Weeks he was able to get his account back yeah. from those MacBook hackers. Um, and then gets his account back, says, okay, Vince Dunn extension is coming. This is early in the day. So, of course, you and I, how we operate, right? We're locked in. We're, mm-hmm. like, looking, okay, when are the numbers coming out? Let's get ready to tweet. Let's get ready to analyze this thing, right? And then hours pass, hours pass, 
And then Vince Dunn with a, uh, a cryptic type of tweet, yep. uh, you know, with some emojis, including the hourglass and, and some some squid emojis and the heart. Um, I know there was some speculation on our discord. Oh, seven yes. emojis. Does that mean seven years? Does that mean seven million? What does it mean? Uh -huh. uh, and then a little bit later, uh, the official terms of the deal come out with the crack announcing it officially. So we were expecting this deal to happen. But I don't think either of us were expecting this four-year term. No. So, Dylan, what do you think of the term? The contract ends up looking a little bit differently than we both thought. I know you thought in the 8.5 to 9 million range for AAV on a long-term deal. Mm -hmm. I, how is this different than what you expected? And is that a good thing for the Kraken? <laughs> It's very different. Real quick, just to shout out the Discord while all that was going on, I, I, you know, I was trying to guess seven years maybe with the seven emojis. There was somebody I saw who kind of called it, who was guessing based on the amount of squids or whatever that it meant four-year term with seven million being the number. There was somebody who did it, but I wasn't able to get a name because the Discord was flying by once the contract actually got signed. So apologies for not being able to shout you out directly. Leave a comment on YouTube. Hit us up on, on Twitter or on discord you know who you are but somebody did call it in the discord and i, I wanted to, to have that known um it's kind of crazy right like the very first thing my mind went to rj was the jared mccann extension from a couple years ago uh that he signed with the kraken where you're just like that's the number that's the term i think this one for me the term was a little bit more surprising than the number um but it's it's kind of wild because it's it's what? It's a bridge deal for someone who's 26? Like, that doesn't make any sense. When Like, this doesn't happen. Like, we haven't seen any other deal really like this, RJ, for a player in Vince Dunn's situation where you're one year away from unrestricted free agency at a position that, you know, the market has only been going up at a very steep incline, if I might add, and it's a very in-demand position. It's a it's a position in which if you did hit unrestricted free agency, you were going to have a lot of interest. You're going to be able to probably get something done. Um, I was I was very very intrigued by it. I have a lot of questions about it, RJ. I mean, the first thing is, do you think I'm wrong for even thinking that had he just you know settled on or or went to arbitration, did a one year? then gone to unrestricted free agency. Obviously, it would depend on how he played in that year in between. But do you think that, like, looking at, like, say, John Klingberg last year and kind of the situation, do you think teams, as we're seeing a lot of these defensive contracts go up and up, they've all been re-signed with their current team? We haven't really seen a big that big UFA deal in a little while. Do you think there's something to that? And do you think Vince Dunn maybe was looking at that or his team was looking at that? And then they kind of decided to, you know, just re up here and stick with the shorter term. I think it's possible. I mean, you do look at example, like maybe a Dougie Hamilton, but if you, you think if you're Vince Dunn, maybe you're a little bit of a tier below that, certainly in what you've proven already. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, maybe you're willing to kind of settle for that type of deal. I, I you certainly don't want to fall into a Klingberg type situation yeah. uh, where your market value just basically seems to evaporate overnight. Um, Still, I, I've got to think Vince Dunn, you know, maybe has a little bit more leverage than this. And this is a bit of Ron Francis kind of working his magic uh, because, 
you know, that we know what the D market is. We were both talking about, you know, that I was saying 7.5 to 8 on a long-term deal. You were saying 8 to 8.5 even on a long-term deal. And you can find consistent comparables for that. Uh, and I think one this deal is just kind of unique. You look at other contract comparables. I mean, Cap Friendly has a great tool where you can compare contracts. And I immediately went and looked at this Vince Dunn contract. All right, what are the most comparable contracts? And there aren't really that are that great of a match. You look at the top match and it's Neil Pionk in 2021. Of course, he was uh, only 25 signing that. And that deal was a, you know at a 5.8 cap hit. It was a four-year deal. But even that contract is a 69% match. Like that's not very much. So this deal kind of stands out from any others that we can look and compare it to. Uh, the second most comparable deal of course was Mikhail Sergachev and that's the one that you pointed to is, right. is the one to maybe look at that was an eight-year deal at at eight and a half million as a cap hit so um, that's kind of more what you were looking and I think it shows that you were a little bit on the money except that maybe you didn't take into account Ron Francis working his magic I guess not because just like with the Jared McCann thing right I, I feel like you know there the the number is a little bit lower than I was expecting obviously the term is extremely team friendly Right. And yes. look, it could be player friendly. Right. You're talking about him coming out and being an unrestricted free agent again at, you know, around 30, 31 years old. That's that's certainly not too old to then score another big contract, especially at the position that he's playing. So I can I can understand Vince Dunn wanting to sign something like that, understanding that if he had pushed it and maybe made it a five or six year deal, then that option isn't going to exist on the back end in the same way. Right. Like he, this is him maybe kind of hedging hedging the uh, his bets there. Um the other interesting thing, though, though, was when I was looking at the term and I was trying to think of why he did it. This is something that I thought about, and I want to ask you, do you think Vince Dunn and or his team, like whoever's advising him and talking all this through with him, do you think that they view the Kraken's window as the next four years? And then this puts him in a situation where after that four years, they'll still have Maddie, they'll still have Shane Wright, Chalet, all that kind of stuff, but that might be when the Kraken would need to be retooling around those guys. And then this gives Vince Dunn the option to either be a part of that retool or to then leave and maybe find then a different competitive situation. But do you think that that might have something to do with it? Because as I look at the roster, I could certainly make an argument for the next four years is, you know, starting this year is really that kind of prime competitive window for the Kraken. I could see that. I mean, you look at the next four years, and especially with guys like you know Maddie playing, you know, the last year of his ELC coming up, Shane Wright, you know, continuing to be on his ELC. You know, those are the years where you can take advantage of some of those best contracts, and of course, you have prospects coming up uh, that that'll fill those roles for for cheaper than what current guys are doing. Um, I, I think it makes sense, and if four years time, I think that could be the real reevaluation point for for both team and player mm -hmm. at that point if you want to choose to do that. And yes, I. I, at the start, I think, you know, maybe a minute after the deal was announced, I kind of had to give some rapid reaction on Twitter. And, and my first thought was, well, this is a solid deal for both sides. And looking at the done side of it, you do get to go back to unrestricted free agency at age 30. And hopefully after four really good seasons with the Kraken, this is certainly a bet on yourself type of deal right. while giving you some security. I mean, you know, there's still plenty of money in this yes. deal uh, that even if for some reason you never play again, you, you should be okay in your life, you know, with that amount of money. But it sets you up at age 30 to go get another big contract and hopefully 
the salary cap is at you know hundred million dollars or more by that time. Mm -hmm. uh, you would hope it's the NHL, so you never want to count on it. Yes. But you know the idea that maybe for if you were to take an eight year deal at you know at a seven figure or something like that, that maybe you are passing up on more money if you play well over the next four years you could get even higher than that, even for just your 30 to 34 season, and, and maybe even get a five or six year deal if you play really well, uh, that's going to pay you even more because it's a lesser percentage of the cap. So I think it works for Dunn's side there. I mean, I, I just can't get over how good this term is for the Kraken though. It just, it makes so much sense for them. I mean, you really protect yourself against any eventuality because if mm -hmm. Dunn is that kind of low end first pair, high end second pair tweener, you know, if he does regress, if this season, and was one of those kind of contract year type aberrations and he goes back to maybe what he was the season before then it's a slight overpay but what you really do is you mitigate the massive risk on the back end of it like an eight-year deal if it turns out that this isn't what he is um, and you set yourself up just fine you can move on in four years and and it's good but if he is who he showed he was last season, of course, that's what you're hoping for. Yep. It is an absolute steal in this D market. You look at those contract comparables and you get that right through, as you mentioned, the meat of your competitive window where you have this great defenseman on a steal of a contract. And it's the kind of thing that can set you up to build around that. And yeah, maybe it's tough in four years when he's 30 and he's this great defenseman and you're looking at a very, very expensive contract to re-sign him. But at that point, you know so much more than you know now. You know exactly mm -hmm. what Vince Dunn is. You're going to know what Riker Evans is. You're going to know what Ty Nelson is. Yes, exactly. um, you know, you're going to know more about what like a Lucas Dragosevich is. Can he bring something that that can maybe replace what Vince Dunn does? It's just the perfect reevaluation point for the Kraken. I mean, Ron Francis getting this four-year term, I mean, that is the huge accomplishment of this deal. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you look at it even beyond the term, just looking at the at the dollar amount, the cap hit, right? Seven three five. That makes that that puts Vince Dunn at the twenty fifth uh you know, cap hit, highest cap hit amongst defensemen, which I think is totally appropriate. Right? Like, yeah, that I mean, seems you, like you look at the works. names around it, yeah. Yeah. And and that was something that was really surprising to me because, you know, look, I do think I'm sure he entered negotiations wanting closer to nine just because that's the way everything has trended. He should have been asking for it. We talked about that, right? Like you got to if you're if you're going to do it. But I think where they settled was really appropriate value for what he's brought to the table so far, what you're betting on him bringing in the future, right? What kind of player you think he can be over the next four years. And that's just something that you don't see very often in the NHL, where it's just like, oh, the number seems like like just on the money and, and kind of perfect. It doesn't feel like an overpay. It doesn't feel like the player got slighted, especially because he gets that shorter term where he's going to have the, the chance to play himself into a, another big contract on the back end of it. And I just want to take a moment to appreciate one of these nice kind of win-win scenarios. When you are talking about high leverage contracts, you're talking about a lot of money. You're talking about a situation in which two parties have to be looking after their own interests for both of them to just kind of have some common sense and come to a very fair deal all the way around for everybody. It doesn't happen very often, but I love to see it. And so I just want to shout that out. <laughs> No, well, well said there, Dylan. I know Ron Francis going into the process said that uh, he, you know he joked that a deal where nobody's really happy—that's how you know it's a fair deal. Mm -hmm. 
But um, hopefully both sides are looking at this, you know, where both sides are happy. I mean, I don't know if that's even possible, but, uh, you know, it, it seems like they kind of did, you know, meet in the middle and there's something for everyone in this deal. Yeah. But yes, looking at the at the other players, he's kind of around now cap hit wise. Um, you know, some of the names that he's above right now, uh, some former teammates and Tori Krug and Colton Perienko, uh, Ivan Provorov. Cam Fowler, granted some of these contracts are a little bit older. Hampus Lindholm, that's a more recent deal there. Um, so he's he's making a little bit more than those guys, which, again, if if he's going to play like he did last season, he should, right? He brought a lot more value than those guys are bringing. But then you look at some of the names kind of above him, uh, Morgan Riley, Aaron Ekblad, Jared Spurgeon, right? Quinn Hughes, and you start going like, yeah, you know, he played like some of those guys. I'd argue maybe better than Morgan Riley. Um, and, and, you know, if Aaron Ekblad was ever able to stay healthy, he should be making a lot more. Um, but you start looking at some of those other names and you're like, that's that's kind of more in line with the season that he just had. If he's able to continue that and, and make that something he's able to do consistently, then, yeah, he, he belongs in that conversation with them. So I, I really I really like this deal as far as the comps just from an AAV standpoint. Yep. And I should mention, too, it is the highest that Ron Francis has gone on a contract. We knew this was yep. coming with this deal, but uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. I had the tweet ready to go just in drafts for maybe a month, knowing that this contract would would be the biggest uh, signed by both AAV and percentage of the cap. Um, it's 8.8% of the salary cap, which is a better indicator, by the way. You can kind of judge mm -hmm. contracts based on the percentage of, of cap from past years, so it makes it easier to compare. Uh, and, of course, Grubauer, now at number two at 5.9 million uh when they signed him a couple of years ago in free agency that was 7.24 percent of the cap at that time of course the cap hasn't really changed that much um i was ready to say that it was also the the largest contract signed by total dollars because i really thought it would be given the term <laughs> i predicted yeah. uh but no it actually isn't um so uh i, I believe it's still the uh the jacob slavin deal uh that um that francis signed back when uh he was in carolina yeah. Um, so there's a couple other things that uh, interest me here that I want to talk about, RJ. This um, puts in line with just about, you know, everybody else as far as the longest term left on a contract for the Seattle Kraken. Um, nobody is signed out further past the 2026-2027 uh, year. Got to think Matty Beneers, whenever he signs an extension, will be. But do you think that that was also something Francis was keeping in the back of his mind was, hey, that's when McCann's contract's up. It's now when Dunn's contract's up. It's when Grubauer's contract's up. And it's when Berkey's contract's up. Yeah, interesting. I, I, and I understand if you don't want to kind of go past a certain term where you basically want to reevaluate at a certain point, especially with guys who are not your own draft picks. I know it's an expansion team, so you know, you're know you not going to have any of yeah. your own draft picks really signed that long until Maddie does. But um, I, I get it with, with kind of more veteran players. You want to set that you know, limit as far as term, if you can, I mean, sometimes yes. you just don't have the leverage to do it, but if you can do it, it's really great. Especially when you talk about guys going into their thirties and, and maybe not having that term too long, you know, Grubauer being the exception, but goalies can age differently. Sometimes we've seen that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that's really solid. Obviously some younger players, you, you want to lock 
up long term. I think we'll see that with Matty Beniers. I expect him to you know blow right past that yes, you know, 2027 uh, term thing. And those are the contracts that make the most sense when you're signing your own draft picks, your own guys, and signing them to term, hopefully before they hit their total ceiling. So the contract looks like a bit of a steal. Um, I saw uh, the Athletics top contracts. Uh, Dom Lucision put that out today, and it was just full of contracts where you know like the Jack Hughes deal, mm-hmm. where the Devils you know for their franchise center, but when it wasn't quite clear he was going to be a franchise center you get that done at a good amount um you know or, or even like a matthew kachuk where you know he's a really good player but you don't know he's this game breaker completely that's one where you trade for him but still you get that contract locked up and even the 9.5 looks great those are the kind of deals you want to do but you know maybe a free agent signing like like burakovsky or um you know a vince dunn where you're not entirely sure you know it, it might be helpful to to kind of set that term limit there it also kind of plays into that idea that I was floating earlier about, you know, that could be when the when that first competitive cup contention window maybe is closing and it gives the crack and the ability to have a hard reset. Obviously, some of the contracts that they're going to sign with other guys, either re-upping them or free agents in the next offseason or two, will probably push past that mark. But I do think that it's interesting that this Vince Dunn extension kind of didn't didn't push it out any further than... Kraken already had guys signed to and I thought that was that was just again something I wasn't expecting do you think I mean I know we're on the same page we would love the the lockup Maddie before he kind of explodes and shows you really who he can be in the NHL and everything lock up your young players as Elliot Friedman always says do you think there's something though that we can maybe tank from this Vince Dunn deal that would tell us you maybe give us a hint that maybe Maddie does a bridge deal. Like, do you think that's how the Kraken are trying to roll with everything? Is just look, we just want short term on everybody, and we can just then kind of figure things out as situations develop. Do you think Vince? Uh, do you think Maddie Beniers and his camp might look at this and go, "Hold on, you know, cap is going up in the not too long from now. We can kind of wait and see how things go." You look at some of the other situations around the league, right, where you have guys like Austin Matthews uh, and some other players, right, where they kind of sign deals that would take them right up to, you know, that 27, 26, 27 age mark right there to UFA. Do you think that there's a chance that Matty Beniers would do something like that? Or do you think the team would want to do something like that? A bridge deal, possibly. Certainly not walking him right to UFA like Austin Matthews and the Leafs. Ridiculous. I mean... That's one where the player just has, you know, all the leverage and and wants to use it and intends to use it. I don't see Maddie doing a deal like that. I just uh, I think he's going to be a little more team friendly than that, even if he might have. I don't know if he has as much leverage as Matthew Matthews did. I don't think he does. But still, I, I don't see him doing that. But a bridge deal I could see is possible. And look, if you believe your window really is the next four years and you're going to go for it right now a bridge deal might be most beneficial to you because you will save on that cap hit and you can build the most pieces around what you have right now. You can really go in next off season and try and maybe bring in a a big marquee free agent. We know some big names are hitting the market. You can go and try and target a a trade for a real difference maker potentially. Um, And so I think a bridge deal could make sense. I still think it would be a mistake. I still think with a player like Matty Beniers, who you know is going to be a star for you, uh, you want to lock that in as long a term as possible and extend that window that you have with them out as far as you can because the price is only going to go up. And you pretty much know that, especially with the cap going up as much as we project. The price is only going to go up. I I would try and sign him eight years for basically whatever it takes. But I can understand the argument that maybe a bridge deal would make sense. 
but you better be contending for a cup in the next four years because you're going to be paying on the back half of it. You never want to have to do a bridge deal. Right, exactly. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, I, I never would have thought we would have seen four-year term for Vince Dunn either. So that's that's why I felt like I got to bring it up. Uh, have to, have to I had to up. look at, real quick, Ron Francis, the longest contracts that he's given out too because, uh-huh. I, you know, he, he hasn't gone with a lot of term very often. Um, one seven year and that years. was the... Huh? Well, that that was the, be the Slavin deal, right? Yep, that's the Slavin yeah. deal. Only three six-year deals, and it was Grubauer, which mm-hmm. I know is kind of uncharacteristic for him. And then two with the Canes, Brett Pesci, that that long extension. And then I'm sorry, I had to bring this up for this reason. The other six-year deal. Do you know who it was with the Canes? Sebastian Ajo. No, 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 no. <laughs> much, much better. Oh, I don't know who. Victor Rask. Oh, my boy. <laughs> yes. A six-year deal, twenty-four million for Victor Rask. So those, those, it's a very select group of players that he will yes. go long-term for. Um, so anyway, just had to bring that one up because I saw Victor Rask's name come up <laughs> to the top of the list. When is he coming back, RJ? When are the Kraken bringing him back? I want him with the Firebirds. Let's go. That'd be great. Oh, I'll, that would that I'd would cover be really every fun. game. <laughs> <laughs> be there every That's how game. we get you out there to more games. Yep. Victor Ask there. You, you'd move out to Coachella Valley. Yeah, I, I would. I would try to find a way. Um, okay. See if you could see if you could like live with them to share share an apartment with them or share a house with them or something. We could get some great content out of that. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and you know what? I could really use uh, one up Tenny's talks. Yep. Learn from his hair care routine too. That would be that would be nice. That would be my real uh, my real goal behind the scenes would be would be for that um all right so now that this deal is is kind of been signed rj it was the last thing we were really waiting on for the kraken's off season it feels like you know i doubt we should really expect anything beyond a maddie extension anytime soon from the kraken just until training camp um and you know with the maddie extension who knows if we're going to see it but there's a couple things that i want to talk about one this leaves them with just under a million dollars in cap space rj entering the season but I mean, they've got 23 roster spots like they they're they're fine. Right. Like I felt like this was kind of perfect. They kind of did what you talk about. Right, RJ. Right. Where you just kind of like you signed a bunch of deals and then you gave the last guy left whatever was left in the cap space. Um, I don't know that Ron Francis directly did that, but that's certainly what it looks like from the outside. Um, but I like where the Kraken are at cap hit wise. They have a little bit of flexibility should they need it. They'll have more come like the deadline. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, though, is this gives them 13 forwards. If you count uh, Burakovsky coming back from IR, gives them eight defensemen and three goalies. I'm guessing we're not going to stick with that like roster configuration, configuration no. going into no. the season. So, um, you know, because we'd brought up what our lines were, our fantasy lines last week, our, our, our kind of dream lineups for the Kraken and everything. Um, there were some people who talked about the fact that, you know, look, we both had them. Um, with only seven defensemen as the setup. Uh, and some people did question that. Some people questioning the idea of that means, you know, look, you're going to have to waive Kale Flurry. Are you worried about losing him on waivers? Something like that. So I did want to bring that up, RJ. Do you think there's a chance the crack can go with eight defensemen? Um, and, you know, I know we're on the same page about Flurry being the odd man out. Do you think somebody would, you know, pro- you know, pick up Kale Flurry on waivers if, when the Kraken had to make the move? Yeah, it's a good question. And thanks, everyone, for leaving the comments, too, because it is something worth talking about. Um, I still don't think there's a very high chance they keep eight defensemen. Uh, Given the setup that they have, I think the Kraken 
tend to respond to whatever they have the strength of, you know, player wise. And you saw they did keep extra defensemen around in the past, like last season, because they yeah. had more defensemen. It just kind of made sense to do that. I think they will pivot given the amount of forwards that they have, given that you've got names like Cole Lind and John Hayden too at forward that you might be worried. I'd be certainly more worried about sending them down through waivers yeah. and having them declaim than I would be about a Kale Flurry. So I, I do think Kale Flurry will ultimately end up hitting waivers. I don't know that he gets claimed. We talked about it when we uh, when we brought up his extension that he signed uh, because it is a, isn't it a two year deal? It is a two year deal, eight hundred thousand per. Right, and that you're you're committing that much money because I believe it is a one way deal. Also, yes, it is. I'm double checking this. Yeah, because it's a one way contract. I think that was designed to kind of waiver proof him uh, and to be able to send him down because you knew that you're probably going to have to do that. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't think another team will bite at that just given the term and the guaranteed money going to him. And I think that's by design. Yes. Uh, you did bring that up when we talked about the Kale Fleury re-signing. Uh, also, he's going to have arbitration rights at the end, but that, you know, I don't know if, if you're worried about that, it's because you're worried he's going to, you're going to claim him off waivers and he's going to play really, really well for you. In which case I don't think that's a worry at all. Um, but, uh, I, I agree with you, and I think that, you know, a lot of times, uh, especially for, for us over here with the Kraken, we've had to put a lot of guys on waivers that we've been really, really worried and scared about, and then it those fears have never kind of materialized. I'm trying to think of the, the players, really, that we've lost on, on waivers, RJ, and, like, Zabari Boulay. Like, yeah, Austin Zarnik. Uh, yeah, Zarnik. Helberg, did we lose? Was that that was waivers? Yeah, too? Helberg. All Helberg. Right. I, that's probably the one that hit everyone the hardest. That one was the one that hit everybody the hardest. But even still, right? We're not talking about a, a big list of you know Kraken legends here. <laughs> I, Helberg is still a Kraken legend. I'm sorry. Helberg is he an NHL have been legend games at this point, for them, though. But uh, yeah, he okay. He actually never played a game for them. Still no. a Kraken legend, though. <laughs> I, I will say, maintain. Barbelay at least played a game. Um, the first game. Uh, so yeah, it's, it is, it's one of those things where it's scary and the possibility does exist, right? I mean, we got Tolvin in off waivers. We know what it can be, but I'm not too worried about it either. I, I think it's, it's just like with the Vince Dunn arbitration thing, the amount of times you actually lose the player, it's, it's actually, it's a lot smaller than, than you think it is. Yeah, and and I think again the Tolvanen thing. It's it's unusual. I mean, there's a reason yes, we, that we always talk happen. about it because it's so unusual. Yeah, and so it might seem make it seem like it's more common than it is, but but mm -hmm. really that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, no, and it's and it probably shouldn't have happened. Like, there's no reason for all of that to have worked its way out the way that it did. Um, so there 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 it is. I mean, you know, I, feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, RJ. If you think Kraken still have moves, you think they might be making or going to make, but. Um, it sure seems like, you know, they're going to, they're going to enter training camp and the things that, you know, are going to be decided for the roster is going to be, who's going to be the backup to Grubauer, you know, is it going to be Joey or is it going to be Drieger? Um, you know, I guess which defenseman maybe, you know, Kale Fleury plays out of his mind and we have a different decision to make it at D. Um, and then, you know, is Shane Wright going to be ready? Is he going to be another name thrown into that forward mix? How's Cole Lind going to look? How's John Hayden going to look? Um, and and what is what is Hackstall going to want to do there? But really, in my mind, that's the stuff to start looking forward to as far as this roster goes. Yeah, and the other thing, too, and you touched on it a little bit, but what does the fourth line look like and what's their job? Yeah, uh, and that's going to be a big question. And it's something that we're going to ask about 
very early on in training camp and kind of try and get Hackstall's idea of, of what he sees that fourth line being because there is so much turnover there. I see you laughing. What's <laughs> I was going to say, why didn't you ask that at his press conference? His, his nobody was extent. asking. Nobody was yeah. asking about stuff like that. It was all, hey, happy summer. Congrats on the contract. Are you going to Taylor Swift tomorrow? I know. I know it was all that. But that's why you got to start it off with now that you've secured the bag again. <laughs> what 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 role do you envision for your fourth line this year? <laughs> oh man, you gotta set the and tone make sure early. it's the last question. After everybody has asked the Taylor Swift questions, you just do one one last one. It'll be real quick. Be really quick. <laughs> Hardly have to think about it, and then you just nail him with that and see what he does. Because he could just laugh it off and walk away, and you and then you just made a really funny joke to the coach. See, it's a win win. Ah, they're perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But I, I know he would not laugh it off and walk away. He's the type that would try and give me a good yes, answer. I know. So that's that's why it wouldn't work. I know it wouldn't work at all. Um, But it is a very good point. And I do think that that is going to be something right, because you could easily envision a, a situation in which it is a Shane Wright with a Ty Cartier and a Brandon Tanev. And this becomes like a push possession, drive possession, get pucks out of the defensive zone and into the offensive zone and then just throw all your bodies around and Shane Wright will be parked in front of the net waiting for something that he can, you know, work with. Um, or I could see something being a little bit more defensively focused, right? Where you have Belmar centering, um, maybe a Tanev, but he's playing a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, you could put Yamamoto down there or something. It's going to be very, very intriguing. Oh, what about that RJ? What about a Cole in Yamamoto on the wings? And then I guess it would have to be, it would have to be Shane right at that point. You're gonna have Belmar center those guys as like a scoring fourth line. That doesn't make a lot of sense. No, I don't really see the fit there. That would work better with Shane Wright centering it, but that would be a fun fourth line. You move Jared McCann back to center and you stick him on the fourth line with those guys. Forward depth. It's the perfect plan. Everybody gets 12 minutes a night. That's it. <laughs> Every yeah, everybody twelve to thirteen minutes a night, up and down the lineup at yep. forward, and then you have you know Dunn and Larson playing twenty four. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and goalies get forty five. Ooh, want to make sure everybody's <laughs> fresh. <laughs> All right. Uh, as, That's a plan. Yes, I was going to say, and as everybody I'm sure is guessing, we're we're starting to run out of things here. Here's the problem, RJ. We were waiting for this Vince Dunn contract, and then it came out, and it was just perfect all the way around. And now uh, there wasn't too much to talk about with it. I know. I really thought there might be some, you know, some some controversy there or kind of having to dance around the fact that like, oh, this is a little bit much. I, the night before the contract was announced, I, I think I texted this to you. I had a dream that yes. it, the, the contract details were announced that one that I overslept and missed it. They announced it at like 6 a.m. or something that I missed it because that's the kind that's of dream what, that I have. Yes. And they announced that it was an eight-year deal, and I think it was like 9.57. And I had to try and figure out how I was going to be like, yeah, this is a really bad deal for the crack. Like, that is too high of a number. So I was going to try to figure out how to explain that and how to talk about it. And so that was my stress dream that I ended up waking up from. And then real life was so much better. So, <laughs> yes, I don't know. Hey, you at least, you know what? You nailed the date and time. You know what I mean? Like I you, did, you, yeah. You did do that. But yes, no, Vince Dunn did not become the third highest paid defenseman in the NHL behind Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty. I, the part of my dream was tweeting about that. Like, guys, he's the third highest <laughs> paid defenseman in the league. 
do we believe that this is that this should be the case? Yes, and this is why everybody, when RJ just texts me, so I had this dream last night. I don't even read the rest of the message. <laughs> He's learned by now. I just know RJ's stressing about something, and I don't. <laughs> that's it. Oh, oh man, no. I look. It was a fantastic deal. It's a fantastic deal for both sides. Like I brought up earlier. And look, I want Vince Dunn to play out of his mind these next four years, and I want him to be the guy who leads this blue line um, into you know deep playoff runs and hopefully, eventually, some sort of Stanley Cup berth. I think that's going to be fantastic, and we know he has the skills. Um, it's just going to be a matter of yeah, can he can he repeat what he did last year? Um, and you know, look, there's there's nothing that says he can't other than you know maybe most other historical player performances. You had to leave. I had to. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. No, but look, hey, just like his contract, he's going to break the mold. He's going to do it. He'll be the guy. Yep. I, hey, he worked so hard over the last offseason, did yeah. everything right. If he keeps up, he's just got to keep working out with Tanev like, over the offseason. Work out with that Tanev. That was the key. He's going to have Adam Larson there by his side. We know that. And Larson's going to, you know, play every, every game and all that stuff that he does. And look, I really do think that there is something to. When Vince Dunn came into the Kraken and was able to have that the the ice time he was able to get here be put into a top pairing role, he kind of had to figure out what kind of player he was going to be that first season, right? And we saw him, you know, there was the the bad pinch ups and all that kind of stuff that he kind of struggled with. But then he started to get really really solid defensively, and I do think that he kind of shifted his focus to let me just get solid defensively. Let me work with Adam Larson, learn what I can from him. He's talked about this, right? We kind of know that's that's what the situation was, and then I feel like last year was the time where it was okay. How can I contribute offensively without? having to make questionable pinch-ups without having to put my defensive partner in a tough bind. Um, how can I do this smartly? And we saw him really work and develop on that. Because remember, he started off the season pretty rough, right? Like really rough, actually. Uh, and then he was able to progressively get better. So I do think Vince Dunn is the kind of guy where he can focus in on, on something each season, just like all the great players do. We've talked about this in the past. And and he can really fine-tune that and work on it and get better. And so there is no reason why he can't continue to, to put up big offensive numbers, why he can't play above-average defense the way that he has been. Um, I just hope that this year the thing he decides to focus on is the power play. Yeah, I was just about to finish that off with it. If he <laughs> figures out the power play, look out, because uh, that could bring a whole other level to his game. And I, I'll bring up this tweet that I saw from from Big Head Hockey earlier this week. Every defenseman in the last decade that has more five-on-five points in a season than Vince Dunn did this year. And it's a list of Eric Carlson, Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, Morgan Riley, and Brent Burns. Um, just shows the five-on-five production that Vince Dunn had yes. last season. Uh, was elite. Uh, just can he keep that going and can he maybe find some upside on the power play? Like those are the questions to ask. Yeah. And again, to be clear, it's maybe not Vince Dunn's fault on the power play either. Nobody can yeah, find as... production on the power play. So there's, yeah. there's that. As we may have mentioned at some point in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Once or twice. All right. So um, I think that's going to do it. Uh, RJ, you got to get traveling. I'm dealing with another throat infection. So there's, there's no reason to stretch this out any longer than it has to. The bottom line though is Vince Dunn, is here. The contract is over. Everybody can stop stressing. RJ doesn't need to have any more crazy dreams. He's he's <laughs> locked up. He's going to be here for the next four years. The Kraken have an incredible roster. They're, they're, they're all done for the most part, except for what we're going to see come training camp time. I'm just excited for it. Like, let's, 
well, I was going to say, let's just skip up to that, but maybe that's just because my tonsil surgery is right before training camp and I'm just wishing to get to that too. (laughs) (laughs) That's good reason to want to skip up to that, but no, I know exactly what you mean. I was watching just some random Kraken game highlights the other day because I missed it so much. I missed Mm -hmm. watching the games. I missed having new Kraken hockey to watch. So still a fair amount of summer ahead of us. Still some fun things we're going to cover, by the way. We're not going away. Yes, The the real summer has basically started. We're going to have to be a lot more creative as far as finding topics, but we will be just like we were last year. Stick with us. We will stay stay here every week doing this deep dive podcast. We will find some Kraken related things to talk about and some real fun stuff, too, in August as we get into, you know, the the silly season way too early kind of stuff. We'll we'll have some ideas for you, but uh, definitely a a lot of fun stuff coming. That's really why I'm most excited about all this, because it does feel like, okay, we're closing the book on like the news and reporting aspect of the offseason. Now it just gets into the fun, rampant speculation, nonsense stuff of the offseason, which is everybody, if you were around last year, knows that's my favorite time. (laughs) I like like when nothing's happening in August and I just get to pose whatever ridiculous question I want to RJ and watch his face as I'm describing it. You did the face perfectly. Everyone go watch the video version at the very end here. You got my face. Yep. Absolutely got it. Um, so so there's that. And yeah, you know, I was just going to say, RJ, you're missing it. Do you ever just walk over to CPA and you just like press your face and your hands on the glass and you just stand there for like 20 minutes? Who told you? <laughs> I have my saw me. I have my sources. I have my sources. <laughs> When I was there the other day for Bite of Seattle, I couldn't help but uh, but stop by and just press my face to the CPA glass and look inside. Yep, yep. All right, everybody. Hope everybody's having a a great summer so far uh, and continues to have one. Um, Yeah, we'll be back next week with Deep Dive, and you know we'll see what the Kraken have in store for us and what we have in store for all of you. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Another shout-out to Queen Anne Beer Hall. Thanks so much for sponsoring the podcast, as always, and we'll see you all next time. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Anonymous, Ben, Brad, Burnt Creme, Kaylin, Chris, Cody, Connor, Coop, Daryl, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Evan, Habak, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Jay, Jane, Jeremy, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Light, Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michael, Michelle, Noah, Nori, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, C.A. Kraken, Sean B., Sean O., Sergey, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Pasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Wendy, Strike, and Zane. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.